0: This episode first aired on Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. Hello, I'm Shanira, and welcome to the Chini Chronicles on Radio DePaul, your one stop for pop culture on college radio. Hello, welcome to... The very last episode of the season quarter. And we're going out with a bang as we talk about the lawsuit that literally just dropped earlier today. Miss Cassandra Furtura, Miss Cassie Mean You, is suing Sean, Diddy, Love, Puff, Puff Daddy, and how many other nicknames he wants to have combs. For various things, Um, if you're watching at the top of this uh, or listening or watching on Twitch right now, there is a trigger warning as sexual assault RAPE will be mentioned. So, um, we'll be giving out that trigger warning throughout if you come in later. Um, But, the lawsuit just dropped today. I was kind of i um, lost on what to talk about today because I'm like, I don't really know what to say. I don't want to have a repeat episode or a repeat topic because I feel like I've talked talked about reality TV shows repeatedly, especially like Summer House and like Baddies. I feel like I've had like several episodes on the same reality TV shows or the same topic. So I wanted uh, to talk about something new and... So I wanted to talk about talk about something new. I saw a tweet, what was it, from Double XL magazine. Uh, exclusive or breaking Cassie Sue's uh dating. I saw that. I'm like, we're talking about that today. And why are we talking about that? Because it's a big lawsuit, obviously. But we're talking about it because Sean Diddy Combs, Sean Love Combs, Sean Puff, Puff Daddy Combs. Bub, it's hashtag time's up for you, buddy. Because there have been rumors, speculations, accusations that haven't really been substantiated regarding Mr. Combs. I think we're having another Me Too moment. Or rather it just be regarding the television and film world you know mr. Harvey Weinstein mr. Bill Cosby mr. R. Kelly we're kind of going into the hip-hop community right where it's all little bits on the hush-hush essentially where the hip-hop community doesn't really want to talk about its toxicity because the toxicity is what fuels everything right so it's due time mr sean diddy combs i'm gonna call him diddy because that's how i grew up on him i grew up on him as diddy and as i said before there's been speculations about all the weird stuff that he's on so this is not even new, this is just, it's, it's, it's shocking, but it's not surprising. Is it shocking? Not necessarily either, never mind, let me backtrack. It's not really that shocking, nor is it surprising. What's kind of like, maybe it is shocking that she came out with a full-on lawsuit. Wasn't I expecting it unexpected but considering the amount of speculations and accusations that have been going around for years it's not really surprising so today it's gonna pretty much be a read-along and talking about this 35 page document of allegations of sexual assault and rape again trigger warning right so who is she suing okay um she is suing uh diddy bad boy entertainment bad boy records epic records combs enterprises LNC, and 10 uh, what they're calling doe co- corporations Um, It's kind of like Jane Doe, John Doe, but for corporations, they're not, like, specifically named. So, it's ten of those corporations. Right? And, okay, so, look at me. Anybody who's listening on the, who's not watching me, you can hear me waving pieces of paper. This is, like, literally a packet of the lawsuit, and I'm really going to read along give my commentary along the way as i read this 35 page packet so hopefully i can finish reading this within the next 40 minutes right all right so so here's like the allegations right so she alleged in the allegations she alleged she says that or the lawsuit alleges that diddy quote, raped Miss Ventura in her own home after she tried to leave him, often punched, beat, kicked, and stomped on Miss Ventura, aka Cassie, resulting in bruises, burst lips, black eyes, and bleeding. It also alleges that Diddy blew up someone's car, someone who was romantically interested in Cassie. Apparently, the person whose car was blown up was Kit Cuddy. And when yeah know, the little haircut that became so iconic and synonymous with like the mid the mid two thousands, early twenty tens where she saved the side of her head while her the other side of her head was long. We kinda saw Rihanna do it. Um, that was allegedly due to the fact that there was like a bruise or no, not not a bruise. He had yanked out a piece of her hair. So pretty much one time, he had told her, "Hey, just shave the half of your head." And young Jock confirmed it with his interview with Flat TV. Because apparently, Sean Diddy Combs saw another woman with her shaved head, and it looked good on this other woman. So he turned to Cassie He was like. Shave the side of your head. A.K.A. hide the fact that I ripped out your hair. The ripping out the hair, of course, is alleged. Okay. So then, um, it also says that did he force Cassie to engage in sex acts with male sex workers while masturbating and filming the encounters? And then... He allegedly ran out of his apartment with a gun in pursuit of a rival industry executive whom he learned was nearby he also demanded he allegedly demanded that cassie carry this gun in her purse just to make her uncomfortable and demonstrate how dangerous he is and then he also allegedly introduced her to a lifestyle Of excessive alcohol and substance abuse, and required her to get illicit prescriptions to satisfy his own addictions. So y'all remember, there's y'all remember in the early two thousands when J and Diddy were a thing. Uh, remember when there was a shootout? I believe was it at Diddy's restaurant or somewhere? Back when Diddy had a restaurant, uh, that was early two thousands or it's very interesting. But Diddy at this restaurant, I don't know if it's still running or up, but I just know it's kind of like gone down. But I think the shootout happened at his restaurant. But I know there, there's a situation regarding guns and stuff, and it was. I think it was by his restaurant. Back when him and J. lo were during dating in the early two thousands and they supposedly got arrested and J lo was like, I don't wanna deal with all these guns, the shootout or whatever. We're done, and she kinda like dipped out. That's kind of the story of the early two thousands, right? And so yeah, that's kinda like the skeleton of allegations that they list out so um uh, so yeah Cassie and Diddy they had met when she was 19 and he was 37. this was back in 2005. that is an 18 year difference this girl 19 barely a year or so after out of high school right and the lawsuit alleges that so as i mentioned he would savagely beat her to the point of bruises and blood and bleeding and ripped out hair to the point where he told her to shave off her head and after these instances of beatings he would shower her with gifts as i'm like hey i'm not that bad hey that I didn't mean to put my hands on you. Here's this very expensive gift. Forgive me, essentially. The classic cycle of an abusive person where they do this really traumatic or harmful thing and they come around and they say, hey, I didn't mean it. Here's a gift. Here's your favorite candy. Or here's this card that you always wanted. Here's this bracelet, this really expensive bracelet. Forgive me, Right? and uh, da, da, da. right uh, then uh, then apparently anytime and also another classic part of an abusive cycle is that anytime that a victim will try to leave or get out of the situation the abuser would do everything they can to kind of like keep them within their grasp right kind of sort of like a little bit of isolation right so this is kind of what happened with Cassie anytime she would run away slash escape Sean Diddy Combs would use his connections his fast connections in the industry or wherever else and essentially find where she was at and kind of like kind of like how those people whatever connection he has, to have those people bring her back to him. And some people went as far to explicitly say that her failure to return to Mr. Combs, many of those who would, you know, go out of the way to help Diddy bring her back, they would say that, hey, if you don't return, this could mess up your career. So again, sugar warning in regards to rape. Uh, so when she, she believed that she had finally separated from him, she had joined her for a dinner, joined Diddy for a dinner, and then after that dinner, he forced himself into a home, and that's when the rape happened. Uh, so apparently uh, a lot of these instances where he would physically harm her or, like, physically beat her up, it was sometimes in front of employees of Bad Board Records and people, like, fellow, I don't know, fellow workers of Bad Board Records and Diddy's various companies, right? Which kind of reminds me of... What's his name? Dr. Dre? Or... Was it Dr. Dre? Yeah, Dr. Dre and girlfriend of the time, Michele, right? Yeah, where again, alleged, I, cause I don't know for sure, where pre- allegedly he would like be her up in the studio while people were like outside of the city they could probably hear what was going on, or when Biggie Smalls did it to little Kim. Again, alleged, if I remember correctly. Putting it out there. So, so pretty much they're seeking injunctive, declaratory, and monetary relief against the defendants. They said in violation of federal sex trafficking laws, human rights laws, uh, gender-motivated violence act, um, In New York State, the New York Services for uh, Human Trafficking is in the California Sexual Abuse and Cover-Up Accountability Act, as well as California Trafficking Victims Protection Act. So uh, I think the human rights law may have to do with the fact that she was signed to Bad Bad Boy Records for a good amount of time, So Diddy was essentially her boss for a good amount of time that this was happening. So that may bring in the human rights thing, and then like the sex trafficking may have to do with the fact that like he would have he would have um, you know sex male sex workers you know have sex with her uh, even though she may not have protect words even though she may not really have wanted to. So I think that's where the sex trafficking kind of comes in. And uh, apparently filmed it and masturbated to it. Pretty sure all that was probably without really her consent or um, anything. And so I think that's, again, where the human, not the human rights, not just human, but the human trafficking aspect comes in. Um, Also, they're the gender-motivated violence, of course. You know, man versus woman or whatever. Um, So, I don't really know the specific legal jargons of those, but I'm just taking an educated guess, right? So, oh, this is a bit redundant. Okay. Alrighty. So, the factual allegations part of the lawsuit, right? So, Yeah, they met in 2005, early 2006. And this was after he heard her first song. Um, Within months, in February 2006, she was signed to a 10-album deal with with Sean Diddy Combs' Bad Boy Records, right? I don't think those... Did those 10 albums come out? I don't know. If they did, I don't know about them. I know... That her first album, Cassie, self-titled, was released in August 2006. Debuted at number four on the U.S. Billboard 200. And this, in promotion to, in promotion of this album coming out. Ooh, excuse me. In a promotion to this album, the way that press and uh, promotion work, you do performances obviously you perform the hit the lead single of the album and that's what happened so that's me and you hit single love it prime mid-2000s gotta love it right and uh there's like this other people make the joke that she wasn't that great of a uh, live performer and i really want to play a performance but So, yeah, the the lawsuit kind of, yeah, press outlets were highly critical of her performances on the various shows that she did. And I really want to play one of them. Let's play the performance of Me and You that she did on 106 in Park. Uh, This was, I don't know. She performed a remix which had young jock on it so right so that's how the whole connection of young jock being in being in close quarters because there was a remix that had both uh diddy and young jock on it so that's the connection between the two but here is the performance of cassie and young jock me and you on BET's 106 in park back when 106 in park was in his peak You've been waiting so long. I'm here to answer your call. Ladies and gentlemen, I know that I shouldn't have had you waiting at all. Put your hands together for the princess of next selection. Make, make some noise. Make some noise. Somebody somebody like- Cassie, come on. What's yeah. up, BT? What? What? For that performance, because a lot of those perform, like a lot of her performances, if not every performance, was like that. But anyways, that is not the point here. Okay, back to, um, back to the lawsuit here. Uh, so within a year of like signing her, he was completely entrenched in her life, asserting possession and control over her and inserting himself into all aspects of her career and personal life. He invited her to perform his song, Come to Me, at the MTV EMAs, was set in November 2006, EMAs, the European Music Awards, right? And during sort of like when she's like in her makeup leading up to the EMA performance, someone had told her that Diddy was interested in her. And and then she kind of like allegedly shrugged off the gossip because it was it was a rumor essentially like oh I heard that Diddy was interested in you and she kind of shrugged it off like uh and she was kind of disgusted by it, giving the 18 year age gap, giving the fact that she's like 19 20 at this time, so. So, pretty much the next part of the lawsuit says that Mr. Combs, Sean Diddy Combs, quote-unquote lures lures her into a relationship. And that's kind of um, what happened. Because she had rejected uh, Diddy's various advances in the lawsuit. It says... Combs' advances, plural, more than one. And they used the word demanded. So, in the lawsuit, it said, quote, despite her clear rejection of Mr. Combs' advances, Mr. Combs continued to demand Miss Ventura spend time with him, including for a weekend at Mr. Combs' residence in Miami and for nights out in New York City. So, This is like the classic trope of wear them down, they'll finally give you a chance. And that's kind of sad. Guys, take no for an answer. Or anyone, actually. let me not gender that. Just take no for an answer, you guys. Because it kind of gets sad that someone keeps telling you now. You keep going. And I don't know if it's like a cute thing of like persistence... Persistence is so cute. I don't know. I don't know about that. Sometimes it's giving weird. Sometimes it gives. You can't take no for an answer. In this moment, in this situation, it it gives. You can't take no for an answer, especially for someone who's 18 years younger than you. You were pushing 40. This girl is barely of legal age. Barely. Barely 19, 20. And you're begging for a chance with her, right? And so, basically, there's another part of here that says that. Um, so they had detailed on one particular night in September two thousand seven, he uh, Diddy had insisted on taking Cassie out. She. I don't know that word. A-C-Q-U-I-E-S-C-E-D. Oh, wow. Okay. We're going to learn, learn a new word. We're going to do But <coughs> based off con- context clues, it seems like she just gave in. Right? She just rel- reluctantly said yes. Because, you know after how many persistent advances it comes to a certain point like okay let me just say yes so this dude could just stop bothering me for a while type of thing i'm pretty sure that's what it means based off of what i'm reading like i've seen it says accept something reluctantly but without protest but i see look at me context clues you guys all right anyways so she is like that, ca- that classic fear of if I say no, something he could react, it can hinder my career, this is my boss, if I say no to him he might F me over. So let me just say yes so I can be in his good graces, so nothing happens to me, he doesn't blackball me, this, that, and the third. That's what it's giving, right? So during this September 2007 night, he picked her up from her apartment and she got into the car. He was already drunk. Okay, drunk driving. Great. Great start. Off to a great start. (laughs) So then he proceeds to hand her a pill and told her to take it. She, of course, being this smart-headed girl that she is she asks, what on earth is this what is this what are you handing me that's smart okay you know what kids if someone tries to hand you a pill or some type of drug or a cup of alcohol make sure you ask what it is and if you don't trust what they're telling you do not take it (laughs) if you do not trust this person enough to believe them when they tell you what something is do not take it if you're not close to this person whatsoever and it's like a first time out with this person, perhaps don't take a drug that they give you. But obviously the power dynamic, right? I'm not promoting drug use, right? Um, but I'm just saying if you do participate in drug use, make be safe. Okay? It's always a rule to watch the bartender make your drink. It's always a good rule to only do it with people you trust or kind of do it in a way that you do it on your own, right? Do your own drugs. If you do drugs, I don't promote it, but if you do, okay, let me stop. Okay, anyways. So she asked what the pill was. He obviously doesn't want to answer that question, so he's like, don't worry about it. Just take it. And she later learned, according to the lawsuit, that the pill was ecstasy wow I cannot speak English I don't know how to speak English it was ecstasy right and it was something at the point that she had never tried and she didn't want to and this is the first time that he would get her high right and then due to the fact that he's already drunk and possibly high uh, the lawsuit who so use the word inebriated so can mean uh, one, the other, or both, due to him being quote unquote inebriated, drunk or high. He proceeded to drive recklessly at high speeds down the west side highway of Manhattan. Uh, Cassie was scared, but again, she wouldn't object or bring up the fact that she scared or was uncomfortable because again, this is her boss, her career just started, she just dropped her debut album the year before, she's not sure to ruffle any feathers, right? So then, they went to this upscale lounge in ma- downtown Manhattan, and he got into an altercation with the security staff, because they would not let him enter, because he is already so belligerent. He's so belligerent because he's drunk and or high. So again, the night keeps getting better, right? Came in, drunk into our high, gives her a pill, drives recklessly. Now they can't even get into the lounge slash club if they wanted to because this dude is already belligerent and the bouncers are not having it, right? Lovely evening, right? So, for the remainder... So, remainder of the night, he's, like, massaging her or whatever. And he complained that uh, she left him high and alone. It's, I think it's one of those really drunken moments where you're just saying anything that doesn't really fully make sense. Um, okay, so there's that night where he arrived drunk and or high. Drives recklessly, gives her a pill, can't even go into the lounge, can't even go into a club because he's so belligerently drunk. So then later that same fall, um, he flexed his power and influence and he paid a promoter to create a fake flyer for a party hosted by Cassie. And this fake posting... Gave Cassie an excuse to go to Miami and get her away from her boyfriend by using the guise of a legitimate event she had to attend. So basically, she was in a relationship at the time. And he made this poster so that he could fly her down to Miami to get her away from her boyfriend. And he was able to like orchestrate, you know, fake flyers and pretty much have people be like, yeah, Cassie's gonna be you know, hosting in Miami to make it look legit. And the lawsuit said that Cassie was stunned at how easily Diddy was able to recruit others to lie for him. And obviously she was uncomfortable with this fake flyer. And the request for her to go to Miami was made by Diddy, the owner of her record label, and because so, uh, again, power dynamics are in the play. This is her boss uh, of her record label. She just started her career the year or two before. She does not want to go against him. Like, no, I don't want to go to Miami because technically nothing is happening in Miami. It's a fake poster. There's no event. I don't have a reason to be down there. She, couldn't, she didn't want to say all that and piss him off. And... Within two years, they met in 2005, it's now 2007. Within that two-year span, Cassie found herself in the midst of the immediate circle of her boss, the owner of her record label, and quote-unquote, one of the most powerful men in the entertainment industry. Okay, so... Right now we're gonna go on a music break and we're going to uh play two of cassie's songs one is me and you uh hit for days and then long way to go <laughs> Welcome back to the Chini Chronicles on Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. We are currently going over Cassie's lawsuit against Sean Duty Combs in Bad Boy Records and Bad Boy Entertainment. So, I read a few more of these pages over the break, and if oh wow okay, all right. So Twitch is back on. All right, welcome back. The Chini Chronicles on Radio De Paul, Chicago's Connection. Um, so, I'll write a few more pages of this lawsuit. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, so, pretty much, he, Mr. Sean Diddy Combs, would have extreme control over her life. He would buy her cars, apartments, uh, put her up in hotels essentially even though she had a little bit of she had some money saved up from her modeling career he again would buy her these apartments, buy her these expensive cars, and pretty much all aspects of her life were controlled by him or his management companies. Her clothing, her cars, her apartments, where she slept, Eight, how she moved around. Pretty much very to the point where she felt like she couldn't escape. Because again, this is her boss. This is, she's part of his record label. She can't really escape. Now she's in a full-blown power dynamic relationship. So then it comes to a point where the relationship becomes violent. And abusive. And as I mentioned before, a lot of these outbursts, violent outbursts, would happen, and sometimes his employees would know about it, may bear witness to it, and not do anything. It's a classic story of a person in power, they're physically abusive. In violent, and they have a network of people around them, a bunch of yes men. Our Kelly had it, Weinstein had it. It's up there, right? We all heard the rumors, okay? Um, multiple, multiple times over the next decade, from two thousand seven to like twenty seventeen, I guess. He will finally her leaving bruises in every instance after he would use his money and power to um, hide her and he would hide he would use his money and put her up in hotels for days if not a couple weeks at a time so her bruises would heal without anyone seeing her without anyone getting suspicious okay why does she have that black eye why does she have that scratch why is a piece of her hair missing so that is what would happen they he would put her up in a hotel hide her out for a few days for a few weeks and we wouldn't know right and then she comes back out dolled up in her makeup and her cute hair and we wouldn't know right we wouldn't know and let me see. Uh, she was the lawsuit says that she was terrified, isolated, and unable to see a pathway out of Diddy's abusive hold on her life. Uh, she became numb to it and she began to blindly follow his instructions just so she wouldn't have to deal with the physical and abusive wrath. Because his employees wouldn't do anything, even though they knew it was happening. Even if they were to witness it, they didn't do anything to help her. There was one time it was a party. What was it? Jay-Z's party? They said something about Jay-Z's party in here. Hold on. After a party with Jay-Z, Sean, Diddy Combs beat Cassie repeatedly in an escalade, including by kicking and hitting her he forced her out of the vehicle on Fifth Avenue in New York City. She was eventually able to hail a cab to get to her and get to her apartment in Manhattan, where she cried in fear, realizing that there was no one she could tell about what had happened at the hands of this incredibly powerful man she spent the subsequent three days hiding in her apartment. So then, in January two thousand nine, the lawsuit says, "Quote: After Mr. Combs learned that Cassie spoke to another music manager at a party in Los Angeles, he became enraged. She had hoped speaking to this manager would allow her to further grow her career, and that Mr. Combs would be happy for her. But instead, she became he became extremely angry." In perda pulled her out of the club where the party was taking place. In the car leaving the club, Sean Diddy Combs beat Cassie, pushing her into a corny corner of the vehicle and stomping on her face. Diddy's, Diddy's security staff, Roger Bonds, tried to stop the beating but was unable to de-escalate the situation. When the car arrived at Diddy's residence, Cassie attempted to run away, but he followed her and proceeded to kick her in the face. Cassie was bleeding profusely and was ushered into Diddy's home, where she began to throw up from the violent assault. Upon recognizing the damage she had done and the physical evidence of his abuse, uh, Diddy panicked and forced the staff to bring Cassie to a hotel suite at the London Hotel in Los Angeles, where she was required to stay for a week so during the stay as her injuries from the beating healed cassie began to fully realize that john diddy combs's tremendously loyal network not only knew about and witnesses assault but also that these witnesses were not willing to do anything meaningful to stop diddy's behavior she recognized that she was powerless and that reporting Diddy to the authorities would not alter his status or influence, but would merely give Diddy another excuse to hurt her. So, um, if anybody was watching me on Twitch, the one person, hi, you could kind of see my face screwing up, because I was reading all of that during the music break. And, again, this is reminiscent of Harvey Weinstein. R. Kelly, especially R. Kelly, because he had this huge network of people, even though there was an actual tape, I'm talking about R. Kelly now, an actual tape of him doing what people are accusing him of, he had this whole network of people that was able to, like, help him escape responsibility and accountability, it is 1054, ooh, time flies by, okay, so, we weren't able to finish the whole 35 page. But. we get, Let me spend like a couple seconds. Talking about the sex trafficking. Right. Within a few months of beginning a romantic relationship. Uh, she was 22 years old at the time. And he was 40 years old. He wanted to engage in a fantasy. Of his called voyeurism. And voyeurism is pretty much engaging in sexual acts as people watch you, or you watch in on people having sex. If I know that word correctly, And pretty much it would essentially turn them on. Um, so these little sessions of they would be called freak off, short shortened to FO. So, as mentioned earlier, he would hire these male sex workers. And what would happen in these FOs is that he would give, he would have Cassie hire these sex workers, bring them to a hotel, put, have them taking all these drugs and alcohol, and then have them engage in these sexual acts and tell them what to do do this do that be in this position do that position and then sometimes he would film it on his cell phone or whatever that camera whatever he had there are um, other instances where cassie would try to delete these videos but some every single time that she would delete it he would recover deleted videos which is another aspect or another instance of the fact that Cassie knew that she was powerless because no matter what she would do he would have the upper hand no matter how many times she would delete a video he would somehow get it back there was one moment they were on a um, plane and he had her watch a video that she had tried to delete uh, there was even a time during one of her birthday parties where he wanted her to leave in the middle of her birthday party to participate in an FO. And she's like, no, I don't want to do it. I want to celebrate my birthday. He's like, no, you're going to do the FO. And so, she obviously, still being scared, she's like, okay, right? And then, there are some times where he would physically beat her up in front of uh, the sex workers and it's just a crazy thing. I'm going to end it there. That's like page 18 or 19 of the lawsuit. Um, this might be a two-parter episode, Um, but rather, so this is like the last episode that of the quarter where I'm officially on Radio the Pause airwaves. Shall I do a Twitch session next week without who knows? But Cassie assumed Diddy Combs trigger warning of rape, sex, trafficking, and physical abuse on the basis of New York State's human trafficking, human rights in California, and all those things. Yeah, I saw the notification earlier today. I'm like, whoa. And reading this, whoa. This is, but, again, shocking as this lawsuit is, it's not surprising. Because we've all heard the rumors of him being in some weird sexual thing. I want to say weird sexual things. It's alleged. Alleged allegation that he's had, like, gay encounters. That's a very strong alleged. Though. So I don't. That's why I always hesitant to say it. But. Yeah. Cassie is suing. Sean Diddy Combs. For their abusive. For the abusive relationship that he put. Play- that was this episode of the Cheney Chronicles. If you missed an episode, head to Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts to listen. Also, head to anchor.fm slash Cheney Chronicles to listen there too. Thanks for listening, stop procrastinating, and good night.